Welcome to Trojan Talk, episode 52. I'm Cole Purvis, joined as always by Troy Bulldog and Josh Pulsifer. How are you guys doing today? Well, pretty good. It's uh, we got a dry week ahead of us the rest of the week here in Maine. That's a rarity. Yep, you know, hump day, halfway there, so we're every day at a time. We're almost there. That's right. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Don't know when this will be out, Thursday, Friday, sometime this week, um, but I want to start, as we always do, uh, with some TA sports and specifically the football team who was able to secure their first win of the season on the road at Bonnie Eagle, 28-14. to 14. It was tied at 14 going into the fourth quarter, and then the Trojans were able to pull ahead with a pair of fourth down stops and then um, some good work on the ground game to pick up that first win on the season. Um, I want to ask you first, Mr. Pulsifer, yeah. um, what were your key takeaways from that game and keys to just getting that win over Bonnie Eagle? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest key was just, you know, finishing the game. You know, that was the issue with our first two games was we had the ball with possession late in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to tie both of those games, and we, we just couldn't do it. Uh, we turned it over on downs both of those first two games. So it was nice. Uh, we were punting uh, with about uh, seven minutes left in the contest, punting it back to Bonnie Eagle. Um, Fernando Ongai, who's a great punter for us, um, he had a towering punt. Um, and again, Bonnie Eagle just muffed the punt. Uh, we were able to recover at our 13-yard line, uh, and then we scored two plays later with Mauricio Sunderland. So uh, that was a great thing. And then obviously we made Bonnie Eagle then turn it over on downs. And then the very next play, the first offensive play, Wyatt Benoit was able to score on a 46-yard uh, QB keeper for the eventual score to make it 28-14. So it was great to see our guys finally, you know, in the fourth quarter kind of step up and just, you know, kind of finish off a game. And that had been our issue the first two times was, you know, not being able just to cap off a win or tie a game. And uh, we were finally able to do that. Yeah. Like you said, just finishing when, at the end of the game when you actually need to, when you have an opportunity to tie the game or win the game and actually doing something to keep it, to keep it in. But definitely big plays. I like big plays from Wyatt on the run, the big punt return or muffed punt, I should say, that ended up being. A big play as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Xander had that one really, really good catch. That was like kind of like a yeah. bobble. Day. It was tipped, yeah, for a touchdown. Like yeah. and he was able to he focus. Pinned it, he that. pinned it to his helmet. I saw it, saw it on the mm. news. He kind of had it. A little bit of a helmet, helmet catch. Yeah. So that one was big. So just big plays when it matters the most is really what it came down to. Yeah, the first half and the second and third quarter especially was kind of like, here we go again. This is what's hurt them the first uh, couple of weeks in the losses to Portland and Oxford Hills. Uh, the first half was really interesting. You know, Bonnie Eagle put together these really long drives that consisted of Terrell Edwards just running the ball, and they really leaned on him. Um, and they would just chew some clock and, and get a score. And then TA's offense was just really efficient. They hit on the big mm -hmm. plays, did not run nearly as many plays as Bonnie Eagle in the first half, but they were still able to keep up with them scoring-wise. Had a real opportunity to go up 21-7 to in that game, but I believe it was a fourth down stop that gave, or either a fourth down stop or a fumble. I think it was a fumble, actually. Fumble in the, and yep. near the end of the first half, yeah. And uh, Bonnie Eagle was able to take advantage of that and tie the game up at 14, and you're thinking that's what's been hurting this team these first couple of weeks is not being able to finish mm -hmm. off drives. Had a real opportunity to go up two scores, and then you got, get the ball back to start the second half. But they were still able to pick up the win, and of course, you get a little fortunate with the muff punt but you're going to need some luck sometimes to beat a good team like Bonnie Eagle and then the defense was just really deafening I think this team just wrapped up and tackled a lot better than they did in the first two games mm -hmm. really zoned in on Terrell Edwards of course it helped that they didn't have guys like CJ Cooper and they had a couple of injuries which made it a little bit more manageable but still a great uh, performance against one of the better quarterbacks in the state um and so this week, another team comes in for the fourth consecutive week. You're playing a team that's undefeated. This just shows what a bear of a schedule that uh, Thornton Academy has this year. Undefeated Wyndham comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, they are 
course three and zero, and they yep. they haven't played anybody great, but the scores are impressive. They've had some you know forty plus uh, victories so far this season. Yeah, they've outscored their opponents one hundred and eighteen to six. Cool. Wow. So yep. um, I think you played them last year and beat them by yes. quite a bit. Yep. Um, but both teams different this year, of course. What can you tell us about Wyndham and what's going to be the key for you guys to get this thing back to 500 on the yeah. season? Yeah, I mean, they're a very good defensive team. I mean, you only allow six points in three games. I don't care who you're playing. That's impressive. That's very impressive. So they're going to have a very tenacious defense. Uh, some spread looks on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to look to run the ball first and foremost. Um, they're kind of a little bit like us where they were going to run a spread, but they'll run some power out of that. They'll have some more traditional sets, like when they get into goal line situations, they'll actually run the dotted eye formation, which you don't don't see too often that's a pretty old school play uh, where they basically have three backs behind the quarterback all in a line which is pretty neat to see uh, they'll run some wildcat with number four um, so they'll do some short yardage type situations stuff like that so they're gonna have some varied looks on offense um, and of course they'll have their traditional spread looks and throw the ball around quite a bit um, defensively though like I said that's kind of their bread and butter right now they've uh, been really punishing teams defensively very tenacious as we said uh, so again it's gonna be a, a tough matchup um, it's like again a Friday night um, it's the junior Trojan night here at and the blackout game so uh, that's always a huge community-wide event i'm sure the stands are going to be packed but uh it's gonna be a good atmosphere it looks like great weather too nice cool fall night so uh we're ready for it yeah and troy as we talked about uh the black the blackout game usually brings out a different energy do you think that that's a real thing you know in the blackout game the players just have a little bit more of an edge and more energy on that night i mean i would have to say so if i was on that team i would be getting hyped i mean you see you know the baby powder is going everywhere, and everyone's just getting so hyped, and everybody's there, and it's just a massive, like you said, community event. Everyone's, like, so hyped. I mean, it's hard not to get amped up on that energy that's already that's already there. So I I'm, you know, I could tell if I was a player, it would definitely motivate me, and I think there are a lot of players on that team that would definitely get motivated by that. Yeah, the baby powder, one of the biggest traditions for the TA fan section. There are going to be some regulations this year, so we'll see how much actually gets thrown in the air this year. I hope um, none. I'm the old man yelling at clouds right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we also want to plug our uh, TATV broadcast schedule. We're going to have the game on Friday night uh, live streamed around starting around 645 mm -hmm. um, on Thornton Academy's Facebook and YouTube, so definitely tune in for that. It's going to be a great game. Join me and Troy on the call for that one. Um, and also follow us on Instagram and Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, at Thornton Academy Football. Um, we have a lot of great you know game day posts. We're going to have mm -hmm. some interviews every couple of weeks with Coach Kiesel and some of the players on the team, so some really good stuff on the TA football social media is there. Uh, some other updates around TA Fall Sports. Girls Soccer pulled out a big 3-2 victory over defending champion Scarborough. That's the second big upset over them mm. in recent years. They beat them in, I believe it was the 2021 playoffs um, to move on and get an upset win against them. Um, what does that say about the girls' soccer team to be able to pull out a, a big win on this on the road, an overtime goal from Layla True? Uh, how impressive is that for them? Yeah, I think it's a great win for the program, as you said there, Cole. Uh, Scarborough's a perennial power here in girls' soccer in southern Maine so to be able to have a couple of like you said great wins against them over the last two years uh, it really shows you know how strong a program coach Charlin has built here at TA uh, in her time as the head coach so uh, like you said Layla True with a big overtime goal too so you know that's a, one of those wins though like you know hopefully that sets the stage for later on in the season when they get into those late season matchups or even you know playoff matchups where they've been a little bit battle tested they've played some of the, the cream of the crop if you will uh, in class A South and uh, hopefully we'll propel them to uh, some success down the road here in the playoffs yeah and uh troy you got anything i mean that that regular season loss what does that do when i mean what does that do for, for you come playoff time i mean yeah 
any win that you can get against a really good team is just extra confidence going into the postseason and knowing that you can compete against some of these top teams. And it also helps, you know, Layla True scoring that. She's a sophomore, so getting the young players involved and getting some big plays in overtime. An overtime goal, uh, goal is, I mean, that does a lot for your confidence. So having a young player do that could help you in the future as well. Girls soccer is now 3-1 and one on the season. Uh, boys soccer had a, a loss to Deering yesterday. A lot of turnover on this team this year. Um, we'll see if they can turn it around in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, field hockey, 1-3. and three, They have a home game on the 21st, which at the time of this recording would be tomorrow against Gorham. Um, the volleyball team won their first game of the season, lost their last three. Just like field hockey, they have a home game uh, on the 21st versus Deering. So a couple of regular season home matchups if you want to go to here around Thornton Academy. Um, golf, I got to be honest, I lost track of the record. Is it 7-0, and 6-0? I, I believe <laughs> I believe six and zero. Oh, there's six just too oh, many okay. wins. The only, many, yeah, the only thing we need to know. The only thing we need to know is we are undefeated still. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing we need to know. How did the match go yesterday against Bonnie Eagle? We won eleven to two. There you so, have it. There you took have care it. of business. Took Salmon care of Falls, business. I heard. No, no it, it was it was at Bitterford Soccer. It was at Bitterford Soccer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Salmon Falls earlier in the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, our course is one of the better courses that yeah, we totally. play. Um, I remember we sometimes play Portland Country Club. We don't have a, a match against them this year, but mm-hmm. that's the nicest course that we're going to play, mm. uh, better than Biddeford Saco. But Biddeford Saco, Valhalla, Riverside mm-hmm. are some of the best courses that we play in the season. Um, now let's transition to the NFL and the Patriots and the Dolphins. Patriots, once again, lose by a touchdown mm. and um, drop to 0-2 on the season. Troy, I want to start with you. Um, what were your takeaways from that game? As it was a very similar script to last year. Um, what did the Patriots do wrong, and how do they bounce back this week against the Jets? Well, yet again, the Patriots bury themselves in the first quarter. I mean, what do they expect to do? They're expecting to compete when they're just handing the other team points. They're starting off, whether it be down 16 points or 14 points in the first quarter, first half, whatever. It's like you're burying yourself Mm -hmm. against good teams like the Eagles and the Dolphins are both really good teams so it's like you're burying yourself against good teams and you expect to compete it's like you just can't you got to stay competitive early and then the, the way that the Patriots are built right now with their conservative play style is more holding leads so they want to get a lead early and then they'll do an okay job holding it for the game mm-hmm. they aren't the team that right now the way they're built with mm-hmm. that conservative ideology and all that and the way they're just their personnel is they are not a team that is going to be built to come back from behind and and mac and everybody else on that team hasn't proved that they can when it matters the most too we haven't seen him once win when it actually matters the most when there's two minutes left in the game and you need to score to win or tie or whatever. None of them have done it. They cannot do it yet. So you need to set yourself up to win earlier in the games. But that said, I really liked Christian Gonzalez. He played great. Shout out to to Gonzo. He got his first career pick, so that's exciting. Uh, And now also Pop Douglas, he looked a little bit electric until he had that fumble. Mm. And then Bill was like, you know, I think I'm going to put you in my doghouse. We'll see him again in week eight. <laughs> yeah, literally. Now he's in Bill's doghouse, and we could have used him. Mm-hmm. He's electric. He's mm-hmm. dynamic. Mm-hmm. 
I think that speaks to the bigger issue as you're nailing right there, Cole or Troy, uh, which is we don't have any playmakers. You know, that's that's the issue on the offensive side of the ball is that you don't have that game breaking speed besides Pop Douglas. And then obviously was it when he caught that ball, though, I like literally said to my wife as I was watching the game, I was like, he's about to fumble this. <laughs> it's like you could just tell that you could see the defender yeah, coming yeah, from behind. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, this Chubb. ball's coming out in three, two, one, yeah. and then and it's like I saw that on Twitter too, or X. I, everyone was like, uh, "Was that not the most obvious about to fumble play of all time?" Like it just yeah, didn't just, look good. He did not know no, Chubb was coming no, right behind no. him there to strip that ball. And uh, gosh, it's like, but that's what you need though. It's like, and Bill Bill's not going to play him again. Like he's not going to play for a while. Um, and, and I I don't agree with that. But no. it's like you know, Bill doesn't like to play rookies first of all, and then guys who fumble just don't play for Bill. So it's like now you combine both of them. It's like. We'll see you in week eight. Yeah, exactly. Like, even, like, a couple years ago when Stevenson was a rookie, he had that fumble yep. against, like, Miami in, like, week two. And then he didn't play. He wasn't even on, like, the 53. He was, like, an inactive. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Stevenson's a beast. Yep. He was, like, a healthy scratch. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think we need these players. So get them in. Mm-hmm. Like, enough screwing around. Like, Pop Douglas could be the fi- – like, we might have finally got a decent receiver here. Mm-hmm. And – he just doesn't want to play him. I, I I think that I mean I don't know. I'm not an NFL head coach, so maybe I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I can't. I just think that it's a bad move. I think it hurts his confidence, and I'd rather just be like, all right, whatever. You can t- you want to take him off for the rest of this game, whatever. But don't definitely don't let it impact any of the other games. No, we we need him in the lineup. We need him. Next we week. need we him. We need him this week because but, uh, again, like we said, they they just don't have any other game breaking speed. Like Devonte Parker, great receiver, he doesn't have game breaking speed. Right, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster does not have game-breaking no. speed. You know, Ramondre and Zeke do not have game-breaking speed. No. Like the, Gasecki, Hunter Henry, like none of these guys are fast. Like they're good possession receivers. They're gonna get open. They're gonna make plays in the field. Like I don't doubt any of them, but none of them can be like, okay, we're gonna go take over the game with this guy. Like, and again, I know Tyreek Hill is like an extreme example, but mm-hmm. you know, Miami like won that game pretty well with Tyreek only having, I think he had five catches, 40 yards, and yeah. obviously he had the touchdown. But you know, other than that though, it's like they still won the game because they were able to spread the ball out. You know, Raheem Mostert had a good game. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that's the difference right now between the, the Dolphins and the Patriots is speed. And the yeah. reason the Dolphins are so frustrating is because Tua's getting the ball out at a really rapid mm-hmm. rate, and it's so hard to get any sort of sack or a tackle for loss against this team when is just flipping the ball out to the flat every single play within one second of the ball being snapped to him. And, I mean, one of my most passionate arguments in all of football is that I think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Tua. I just think Tua is in a much better situation in terms of his head coach being an offensive mind mm-hmm. Um and having two of the fastest receivers in the game, plus Raheem Moster and Devon A-Chain and all these speedsters on Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tua is really just like a glorified Jimmy G, but he's in a great situation, uh, better than Mac, who, as you talked about, does not have a lot of speed and has guys like Juju and Devontae Parker who can work the sidelines and get seven, eight-yard receptions mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. don't have uh, that sort of killer speed. Um I think Mac played awesome. I think Mac's pocket presence is so much better this year. Yeah, he he's looks a lot to, more comfortable. Yeah, he's able to step up in the pocket and a lot of plays that would have been sacks last year or even like strip fumbles. I think Mac was able to maneuver the pocket a lot better mm-hmm. and um, made some really good throws. He even had an incompletion late in the game where he was moving to his left and just kind of floated it downfield and nearly completed it to, I think it was Gasicki. Yep, yep. But he had some really impressive throws um, and I'm loving what I'm seeing from Mac. And now we get to take on the Jets 
who at the beginning of the season, you circle that as going to be a tough matchup. But the way Zach Wilson's been playing, the defensive line can get after it this year mm -hmm. and get a lot more pressure on him than they did on Tua, who was getting the ball out quick, quick, quick every single time. Um, so Patriots Jets, I think that game's one o'clock, huge week three game for the Patriots can't fall to zero and three. Um, and then another thing I want to talk about in the NFL is, uh, some sloppy play, a little bit of low scoring games. Um, Troy, I'll start with you. Is this more because, you know, guys aren't playing as much in the preseason. There are only three preseason games now. What do you credit this to? And when is the offense going to come back in the NFL? You know, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure if it's like the team is still like meshing, like new players, maybe new offense, and they're still like meshing and trying to figure it out. Or maybe it's just defensive dominance, and the defense has just been playing really well across the board. There are some really good defenses out there, and mm -hmm. they've just been handling the offenses. So I, it's going to correct itself. The offense will come back. It is At this point in time, the NFL is still very much an offensive league, so it will correct itself. The offense will come back. So I don't know if it's just the defense or if it's meshing, but... The, it, the offense will come back soon. Yeah, I think it's all about timing. Um, you identified it correctly, Cole. Like, they don't take a lot of preseason reps. Again, we are really, if you think about it, week two is now kind of week one as it used to be because, right. again, we lost a preseason game, and so week one now is actually like the fourth preseason game. So I think the timing will come. Uh, you had some high scores, though. Like, I mean, Bills put up 38. I'm just kind of scrolling through here. Seahawks, Lions was 37-31. So you had some scores up there, but I think the sloppiness factor will, will get cleaned up as the season goes on. Um, and, again, um, I, I think it's just uh, it's tough to get that rhythm going and game speed. It's tough to practice that. Um, again against your own opponents and before we move on to some power rankings of the best mm. teams and the worst teams in the nfl then are there any other re reactions from week two for you guys i know burrow and the Bengals are struggling mm. um there were some other you know dallas continues to dominate uh what's one headline from week two that really stuck out to you troy yeah so obviously nick chubb probably sticks yeah. out the most nick chubb um and saquon both of them getting mm. hurt in uh week two Nick Chubbs obviously seems to be worse. He got his knee kind of taken out by um, Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick for the uh, from the Steelers, and it just it looked like a really bad, 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 bad injury. Like, don't look it up, don't watch no. it. Uh, they couldn't even show the replay because it was so bad. He already injured that knee in college, his sophomore year at Georgia. Mm -hmm. And now he's injured it again, and it's just it's just really it's it's really bad, and you feel really bad for him and Browns fans and fantasy owners like me <laughs> not to put this on me, but but um, but yeah no I feel I feel really bad for Nick Chubb and uh, and honest obviously his season they said yesterday is confirmed that it's yep. over, um, but you just hope that his career isn't over after having two injuries like that. Yeah, it's going to be tough to come back from that type of injury. Um, but hope, we'll hope for the best for him. Um, you know, one thing I found, though, interesting to kind of piggyback off of that idea, uh, the NFL actually filed a grievance against the NFLPA because the NFLPA, which is the Players Association, sent out a memo telling running backs to fake injuries in order to basically hold out longer. Uh, to increase their value in potential contract talks down the road. So there's going to be something to come of that in the future weeks and months ahead here because that's that's not good. <laughs> um, so because, again, if you recall, uh, the running backs during the summer were having like, right. basically had like meetings with the NFLPA saying, like, why can't we get paid? And then a memo is leaked saying, like, okay, you got to fake injuries in order to get paid. And so, like, it's 
something's going on there. So yeah. we'll have to follow that story. Um, you know, from a team perspective, though, uh, you know, some of my you know surprises were I, I was shocked the Giants were able to come back. <laughs> that was yeah. unbelievable after what happened to them. You know, last week losing, being shut out at home on national television to the Cowboys, and then getting shut out in the first half against the Cardinals. I was like, the Giants might be the worst team in the league. Yeah. Um, and then they were able to come back and win 31-28. So that was my surprise of the week. There, I, I was shocked by that. Um, and then uh, you know, the other team I'm a little shocked about is, is the Commanders. Uh, you know, they're two and zero, had a good road win against Sean Payton again in the Broncos. So that was in uh, Broncos fall zero and two again. So those are kind of some of my shocks right there. Yeah, and that game, too, for anybody who missed it, was just so insane. Mm. Because teams kept pulling away, and then they would the other team would kind of like even it out again. And then at the end, Russell Wilson throws a Hail Mary, and they actually get it. They mm-hmm. get the Hail Mary to score, and they just need the two-point conversion to tie. To get it. <laughs> and then they don't get the two-point conversion. It is, like, so anticlimactic. I was like, oh, my gosh, wow. I knew when they converted the Hail Mary that I'm like, they're not going to get this two-point <laughs> conversion. A um, <clears throat> couple of surprises on both sides, good and bad. Baker and the Bucks are 2-0. and I've always been yeah. in the belief that Baker can be an effective NFL quarterback. Oh, I think he's gotten a little too much hate. Okay, I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. <laughs> I think he's gotten too much hate over the years, and it's good to see him 2-0 and with the Bucks. And then a team that I was really down on that was getting way too much hype. People were talking about them at the top of their division after having the first overall pick last year. They traded it, but they had the worst record in the league, and that's the Bears. They're 0-2. They're still terrible. This is a process. You don't go from three wins to nine or ten wins in one season unless you make some sort of huge offseason acquisition. They got DJ Moore, but that's not the type of thing that's going to win you six more games in a season. Justin Fields is not reading defenses. This no. team is still going to be bad. Um, same with the Texans, a team that a lot of people think would be much improved. They're still bad. They're not still, good. Still I don't know two. why people would really think no. they're much improved. I mean, yeah, I know but, they had C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, the second and third overall pick, but... No. Yeah, I shouldn't loop. I shouldn't throw the Texans in there. They weren't getting that much hype, but the Bears. <laughs> People were excited about Stroud, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The Bears were getting way too much hype, and it's good to see that they are just getting killed and they're zero and two mm. and back towards the bottom of the league. But anyway, now I want to. This is a perfect time to transition mm. into. I'll start with you and the bottom five. Yeah, I had you make a list of the worst five teams in the NFL. I don't know what your criteria is. If it's just the first two weeks of the season, or if you're kind of looking ahead, it was kind of whatever you want. Wanted to be. Yeah. So, what are your top five worst teams? So, in the my NFL? worst teams, and so I'll I'll just go kind of in, not in any particular order. Um, so, I, the Bears. You know, I just don't think Fields is a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's more of a you know playmaker, and that's just not going to work. Uh, the Cardinals for blowing a lead against the Giants, and they're oh, and again, all these teams are zero and two. Yeah, uh, Cardinals just that's not a good experiment going on down there. Uh, the Panthers, I just have zero faith in the Panthers. Uh, <laughs> the Texans, I have zero faith in. Um, and then, see, that leads you to the fifth one because now you've got some really good 0-2, good 0-2 teams, right? So that list includes you got the Patriots, you got the Chargers, Bengals. Which, the Bengals. Like you've got some legit teams. You got the Broncos. Uh, you've got the Vikings. Uh, like there's five teams. You're like, really? They don't have a win. Um, so out of that list, I would go with the Broncos yeah, as my yeah, fifth um, because I'm surprised about the other four. I thought I know the Patriots have a tough schedule, but I think they're better than what zero and two looks yeah. like. You know, I think the Chargers are right there. I think they just have some poor coaching decisions. Um, you know, I think the uh, the Vikings are right there. They just had a tough schedule. You know, you know Sunday night or Sunday game, and then they have to go on the road on Thursday. That Thursday game is so tough, as we talked about last week. So that's just 
bad luck there and against a good team. So uh, there's my bottom five and again. And then obviously we have some surprise 0 and 2s there. Yep. Troy, your top five teams in the NFL through week two. Troy's A list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Number this. Five. This is yeah. This is subject to change. I like my five. My my fifth one is kind of just barely sneaking in there, but I like my five. But the order of the five is subject to change. As of right now, I got at the five, the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. At the four, the Dallas Cowboys. At the three, the Philadelphia Eagles. At the two, the Miami Dolphins, and at the one. The San Francisco 49ers. Okay, no Chiefs okay. in there. Nope, they were my six. No. Okay, they're my I, six. I, I I don't feel good about the Chiefs. Yeah, I almost talked about that in the last segment. I just I don't know something something's off with them right now. I mean, you just their receivers are just not good. Right. right. They, Besides Kelsey, they were like, able to get just... Kelsey and Jones back, uh, Chris Jones. But I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of questioning how much role Eric Bieniemy had behind the scenes mm. because now he's with the commanders and they're, too, they're, they're looking good. Oh. Their offense is clicking and now he's not there and things aren't clicking. I'm just saying yeah. Eric Bieniemy, the real secret to the mm-hmm. success. What's the explanation behind the Cowboys at four? They've been in terms of just their first two weeks, they've been the best team, just mm-hmm. dominating teams. Um, what, how come they're not top three? Um, well, possibly bias, <laughs> uh, because the Patriots played the Dolphins and the Eagles, and they look good against the Patriots, and I'm like to say that, oh, the Patriots played two top three teams. <laughs> um, but At least you're honest. I but mean. the Cowboys played the Jets and the Giants. The Giants, I think, are not good at all. No. I don't think they're good. They were able to beat the Cardinals. Congratulations. You beat the Cardinals without without Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, not that DeAndre's coming back, but they don't have him anymore. The Cardinals are probably the worst. I mean, they're very they're close like to the worst team. They're tanking for Caleb Yeah, they Williams. are really, really bad. So, congratulations. You beat them. They did come back, but still, you should have won that game anyway. The Giants are not good. So, they beat the Giants. Yes, in convincing fashion, but, like, whatever. And the Jets with Zach Wilson, another one that's just like, yeah. how much can you? I I think that they're the Cowboys are good, but at the end of the day, they won against two teams that I don't think are all that good. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't know. I had the Eagles and the Dolphins and the Forty Nineers. Yeah, and the the Ni- Niners at one. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been rolling through two games. Nothing to complain about there. They've looked like the most you know complete team in the league. Maybe maybe besides Dallas. And we'll see if we get another big postseason matchup between those two. Those have always been good in the past um think about how both of those games ended one was the Dak slide and the time ran out and then the one with zeke at center and yeah. then he oh just God. gets late yeah that was that's his last play as a cowboy so we'll ending. see what happens if they meet in the playoffs this year what they're gonna do um but that'll do it for our nfl talk um We'll see what week three has in store and talk about that next week. Now I want to move on to some main basketball stuff uh, real quick. Cooper Flagg and Mackenzie Holmes, who is a star women's basketball player at Indiana, mm-hmm. they will both be coming to their home state to play a game in Maine next year. I know Mackenzie Holmes and Indiana are playing against the University of Maine at the Cross Insurance Arena. Mm. But Cooper Flagg and, and Ace Flagg and their Montverde Academy team um, will be playing two games, I believe, yep, against two games. Um, some other prep schools and they haven't decided on the location yet we've heard some maybe potential things that might be happening where do you think the site of the game should be to accommodate 
you know the huge crowd that's going to be there and um who who should they play yeah i mean they're saying two games in portland uh, is the rumor so it might be cool to do like one game just at the cross insurance arena which is our big arena in portland it seats about 6500 and then uh maybe a smaller one at uh where the main celtics play at the portland expo which seats about 2000 so you could be kind of cool to do two different vibes there have a bigger game and a smaller games just for a more intimate atmosphere at the expo or excuse me yeah at the expo um so that would be kind of cool though and then who they play i i think think that's very important at this point it's going to be just two prep schools so uh really cool though for for maine basketball to have like again a nationally national interest game there i mean again cooper is the number one prospect in the class of 2024 so uh really cool for us to to get some opportunities for that and that's gonna be two hot tickets here this winter yeah i mean yeah it's just I think I said this either last week or two weeks ago. It's just really cool to have people from Maine that are actually mm-hmm. representing. You know, before recently, we didn't really have any, like, legit prospects. But now we have, you know, Cooper Flag and, and Holmes and Estrella. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Cooper kind of being the, the face of the those three. But, you know, it's just exciting to be represented uh, the, in the 207. Yep, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Again, follow uh, the TA social medias, the TA Football Instagram and Twitter. Um, be sure to subscribe to Thornton Academy on YouTube for weekly episodes of Trojan Talk. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. See you next week. Have a great day, everybody.